The content of this podcast contains topics of violence. Please listen with care. And if you are struggling, please call 1-800-273-8255 or reach out to a mental health professional. I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and you are listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Three years ago, on February 14, 2018, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School was a war zone with students hiding and running for their lives when a former student opened fire, killing 17 people and injuring 17 others. Joining me today is Maddie King, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting survivor, advocate, and student at Florida Atlantic University. Maddie, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you know, the MSD shooting, also known as the Valentine's Day shooting, and the deadliest school shooting in history, uh, do you feel comfortable kind of walking me through what that day kind of looked like from your point of view? Yeah, so I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone will tell you that it kind of just started out like a normal, a normal day, a normal Valentine's Day, you know, people were handing out Valentine's to their friends and stuff. And, you know, I got a little lollipop with the uh, Doctor Who Valentine's Day for my friend in second period and everything was just kind of normal. Um, and then my last class was um, physics. And we were doing this kind of online lab uh, simulation. Essentially, we didn't, uh, I don't know exactly how we would have set it up in person, but it was, you know, we were learning about um, momentum. And so, you know, it was an online simulation that we were doing and we had problems to fill out and stuff. And I remember um, my friend and I, we're like the first ones to finish and we had you know gotten up and put our laptop away and we were kind of just hanging out and then the fire alarm went off and we were kind of like uh, not again because last year the fire alarm had gone off so many times during the last period of the day just from people messing around or from culinary accidentally burning something or people smoking weed in the bathrooms or something like that. It was kind of a common thing. So all of us were kind of just rolling our eyes about it basically. And we all started just packing stuff up like it was no big deal because we hadn't gotten anything saying that, oh, there's a fire or anything. So we were like, someone just accidentally set off the alarm. And then as we were going, we heard three or four loud pops, bangs. Like my first instinct was, somehow one of the golf carts that people were driving all of their tires just burst right after each other mm-hmm. and we all kind of froze and we're like looking around and we're like what was that and that was kind of when we all I think realized something was wrong and people started fumbling a little bit more and going faster and uh we started just kind of heading out the door and like I no longer had I had had my backpack 
and was like putting my phone in my backpack to get ready to go. And then I heard that and I was like, I'm, I'm just gonna go outside. And I left my backpack at my desk. And as I was like four or five feet from the door, there were more uh, of those sounds. And I saw my friend who was like outside and like held the doorway and was kind of looking like towards the building next to us completely freak out and she ran through and there's a back science room and she ran through that and completely ran out and there were people running and like that's kind of when we all realized something was wrong and we all kind of panicked and started running in different directions and I went into that back science room again and then I was like well I have bad knees if there's something going on I can't run because I'm not gonna make it very far so I went back into the classroom and our teacher was like pointing us towards the corner where we should go hide. Um, and a bunch of us went to the corner and one person from the classroom next door had gotten mixed in with us, which was fine. And we all kind of huddled there. And I was crying and shaking and I didn't have my phone. So I had to text my mom from my friend's phone and say, you know, hey, it's Maddie. It sounds like there's a shooter at the school. I'm in my physics class, I'm okay. Um, but like we, we heard these gunshots because the building was right next door. And, you know, we were all trying to figure out what was wrong. Some people were like, this is a joke. Like, this has got to be that, like, training simulation that I guess we had, like, heard about because we had supposed to have some sort of drill mm -hmm. and we never had it. Um, people were like, they're just making this too real. You know, they want to see how we react in the situation. And I was from, as soon as, like, those second shots went off, I was like, no, there's no way they would do this to us. No. no. There's no way they would just fired something off without warning um and I think we were in there for like an hour of people kind of being on Twitter and being like yeah there's shots going on people have called the police like we were told like people had posted on Snapchat like don't call the police the police lines are already overwhelmed from people in Douglas like at this point everyone who can be here is coming and we were getting all of our updates from like Twitter and Snapchat because we were just huddled in this room and I remember the first time because the lights are motion activated. So if they don't have motion for like 15 or 20 minutes, they turn off and the motion, the, the lights went off and all of us jumped so intensely that they turned back on. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were probably in there for like an hour before um, we heard the SWAT team start at the other end of the building because we were all the way on the end. Um, wow. We hear them going into the other rooms and stuff like that. And it was like, like I had this internal thing of like, are these people here to help us or did someone somehow get in and now they're going to hurt us like of just panic essentially and um excuse me and then they came in and you know put your hands up and everything and my friend Alex had um his video going and this video was circulated a little bit um of us all kind of in the corner and the SWAT team coming up and all of our hands going up and if you look closely, you can see my hand shaking because I have a panic attack. So I was having a panic attack as this was going on. Mm -hmm. And we were let out of the school and across the street into the corner. And um, I didn't have my phone. So I did, again, find a friend so I could call my, my mom. The first person I asked, the reception was so busy, it couldn't get through. Yeah. And the the one thing not the one thing but like one weird thing was that I live like a mile from the school but I was on the wrong side of the intersection to get to my house my dad managed to get less than half a mile to the school 
but on the wrong side of the intersection. And I was like, I'm not about to cross this intersection with all these SWAT vehicles and ambulances. I don't want to get in the way. I don't want anything happening. So I wandered around for a while. I found someone I was in band with and he was like, do you need a ride home? My parents are parked right in this neighborhood up here. We can take you home. And what's normally less than five minutes took like half an hour to get home. Um, and I mean, I got home. I hugged my mom. I My boyfriend at the time was, was there because we were supposed to go on a date mm-hmm. um, after school. Uh, and he, he wasn't at Douglas anymore. He had graduated. And, uh, you know, just all of this. And my brother was in the middle school down the street. So my dad had to try to get him because they weren't out of lockdown until like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, yeah, I don't think I slept that night. It was, you know, trying to figure out like who was okay. I didn't have my phone. So my mom's friend, whose son was kind of like in one of my friend groups, like called my mom and was like, is Maddie okay? Cause she hasn't been, res- she's the only one in the, their group chat that hasn't responded and everyone's mm-hmm. freaking out. And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. I don't have my phone. Um, I, I used my mom's phone for like two weeks to be on like Snapchat and Instagram. So I could just let people know essentially that I was okay. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a bad day. It was, you know, he, <laughs> hearing like who haven't we heard from um you know and then getting updates of like like I think I think the first one was um Jamie Guttenberg my mom was like do you remember the Guttenbergs and I was like sounds familiar and she was like Jesse Guttenberg and I was like oh yeah he went to my elementary school right and she was like yeah they can't find his sister and like that was the first person that I knew and then my friend posted about Carmen not being there. And I was like, this girl in my statistics class, they can't find her either. And then it was just, it kind of kept going from there. Um, wow. And I, I mean, I think I was lucky that none of my like best friends were there, but I did, I had friends. I had the girl who sent next, Carmen sent next to me my statistics class and we talked and she, you know, we had things in common and it was like, I remember not having her in statistics class. Like we had had all of the chairs filled up and now there was one empty chair. Yeah. It was like, so that's, that's kind of how the day went for me. It was normal until it wasn't. Right. Wow. And so you left your phone in your, in your backpack and, and so you did, you said for two weeks you were using your mom's phone. Is that because you weren't able to enter into yeah, the school. So since it was like an active crime scene, they weren't letting people in. Um, so my phone was stuck at the school until they let us in. I think it was a little under two weeks later. I think it was 11 days. So I was like using my mom's phone. My friend had a phone that, um, that didn't have, a, it was basically just an iPod at that point. He was like, mm-hmm. you can use it, you can download like Snapchat and stuff on it. So you can at least be in contact with people. So I had that for a little bit, but you know, I was like on Facebook on my laptop and um, you know, I had a whole bunch of people, especially from like, like old friends from, uh, I moved here from Virginia. So like I had old friends trying to contact me and they didn't know anyone else in the area. 
So there was no way they could have found out if I was okay without me directly contacting them. And they didn't hear from me for like two weeks because I, I didn't have my phone. They couldn't text me. So. Wow. But, um, I mean, I got lucky. I got my phone back because I, I have a couple friends who were in the building and they, they never got their phone back. They never got their backpack back. Um, I know we have, we had one family friend who his phone was left in the building because he was in one of the classrooms that got shot into and he called AT&T or Verizon or whoever and was like, you know, my phone's stuck in a building where there was a school shooting and I'm not going to be able to get it back. And they just gave him another phone. Mm. So, um, well, how did the next few days and weeks kind of play out? I, I know you, you said it was about 11 days to two weeks until you went back, but how did you process what you had just experienced? Um, the first few days, I was kind of just numb. That's the best way I can describe it. I was kind of just going through everything. I know we went out to dinner with some friends just to be like, we're all here, you know, like family friends. And then I think I met up with friends one day just to kind of see everyone. And there was, we had a big memorial um, at the local park. And like, that's where I really got to see a lot of people that I I hadn't seen, but it was just, I was just numb. I was just, I, I was lucky that I already had a therapist. I have anxiety. I've been in therapy for a while. So I was lucky that I was going to go to therapy the following Monday anyway. Right. No, that is a really great thing that you already had someone in place to talk to. Um, You say you suffered from anxiety. What did this traumatic event do did it did it make everything worse did you you have to do any maybe see a trauma therapist or did they have is there anything different that you had I I didn't like see someone different um I kind of gotten a lot of coping mechanisms I guess um kind of in place already I didn't need to see a special trauma therapist but I did um you know I did and sometimes I still do have nightmares and have flashbacks and stuff like that. But I think already having had, like I've had panic attacks for years, I already know how to kind of work through my anxiety. I know kind of what it's going to feel like when something starts coming on. I learned my triggers based on this fairly quickly, Mm. Um, but it was was a lot, I, I think it was probably a lot easier for me to start healing than for other people again especially because I already had these these professionals lined up that I've been with I was definitely depressed for a while I think I barely ate for three or four days because it was just you know obviously it was such a traumatic thing and it was barely sleeping and and everything and I think you know I first like when we first went back to school um, the place where we entered was right next to the building that I was in. And I remember we were walking kind of past it and I was like, that corner, that's where I was. And 
kind of my dad stopped and he like stood at the corner and he looked at where the building was and he was like if those windows weren't hurricane proof he could have shot through this wall easily yeah you know when this when the anniversary rolls around which it's 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 coming up um is there anything that you do um i'm i'm do you actually do you get triggers i mean obviously i feel like i i hope i'm not re-traumatizing you now by having you um speak about this but you know does anything come up with anything you feel um, um yeah i remember i remember last spring my first exam in my class was on february 14th and i went out to my teacher and I was like, I can't, I can't be on a school campus that day. That's not going to work for me. I'll be a mess. And luckily she was like, that's, that's okay. I'm not going to ask you to. And I was able to take it another time, but I definitely get significantly more jumpy. I get more kind of shaky. I have a more impending doom feeling like something's going to happen. Um, you know it can be harder for me to concentrate especially yeah. I sleep a little less um you know I I see Valentine's Day stuff and I'll get angry or I'll feel sick um you know and it's you know I'm not I'm not going to tell anyone stop celebrating Valentine's Day obviously right um, but you know we have, yeah. we have a neighbor down the street who has like little kids, like elementary schoolers. And he has these blowups for holidays and his kids love them. So he put up a Valentine's Day one. And I remember seeing him being like, I, I hate it, but yeah. I'm not going to ask him to put it down because his kids love it. And his kids are too young to really understand what happened. Right. Um, so yeah, I do. Um, and, you know, it's general triggers like sirens, like hearing police cars and ambulances like the first thing I think is oh god someone's dead which isn't the first thing I should think um yeah. helicopters kind of freak me out um fireworks I was yeah. afraid of fireworks when I was little and I had recently gotten over my fear and then the shooting happened and it just now I'm scared of them again so I can only imagine a holiday that, you know, where you were actually planning on, you had a date, you were going out, you were planning that later that day, you had plans to go out and enjoy Valentine's Day. And you were probably having a wonderful day, you know, just exchanging, you know, Valentine's with friends. And then this happened and it completely just changed your perspective on this holiday to probably the worst possible traumatic. I mean, it is a very, I can't, I've never experienced something like that. I do remember when I was in high school, um, you know, there was, the, there was Columbine, I think the next year, um, I, the next year there was like a, you know, so all these fault, like people just trying to be pranksters because they think it's funny. Um, and I remember that was kind of scary, mm -hmm. but I cannot imagine what it would be like to actually experience it 
you know, you, you told me you were very lucky to have um, mental health professionals in place already. Um, do you, do you feel like you've processed the event enough? Yeah, I think I've, I've pretty much come to terms with it. I've pretty much, I guess, accepted it. Mm -hmm. I've processed what happened. I've, you know, there are still times where, um, I absolutely have survivor's guilt, especially because, um, I had known the kid who was the shooter and it was very much for me there's very much at times where I'm like Gina and Alex were freshmen he never knew them they never did anything to him but he knew me and I you know I didn't talk to him a whole lot there were times when we passed in the hallway and he waved and I didn't wave back you know I'm, I'm probably part of the reason that drove him to do this and I'm okay but these people who weren't at all a part of it or not. And so there are definitely times where I feel that and I've gotten a lot better at being like, that's not true. That's not how this worked. This was just, there were other things going on. It, it's not my fault. I don't deserve this more than anyone else does. None of them deserved it. I don't deserve it. Um, but I've, I've pretty much kind of processed it and learned how to deal with it. And I know kind of when I'll be in a situation where I feel more uncomfortable and I know how to deal with it and I know how to tell my friends and people that I'm around that I'm feeling uncomfortable or this reminded me of the shooting and now I'm scared or I'm having a flashback. I, I'm a lot better at telling people this. That's really great. Um, and uh, I think having had therapy and also kind of having talked to people about it made it a lot better. Having done interviews, having talked to other people who were there and kind of exchanging your stories on that day, kind of, it felt like being open about it helped me get right. over it. If I just kept it all in, I wouldn't have been able yeah. to talk about it and process it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of something that's really great about your generation, the Gen Z generation. I am in awe of how comfortable you guys are in your own skin to talk about these things that during my, in, you know, my generation, I'm a millennial, you know, I'm an older millennial, and I just remember nobody wants to, nobody wanted to talk about mental health. Everybody had to pretend they were okay. And I hated that. It really made me uncomfortable. And I feel like, you know, as I got older, it was like, why do I care if, you know, I'm, I, I cannot, I, I'd rather be comfortable, you know, than pretend, you know, I, I'm okay when I'm really not. Like, I just want to walk away from a situation. So I feel like that's so brave of you. And the fact that you're able to know that about yourself is a big deal and a big step in not having this event control who you are and dictate so much of your life. Um, you know, I, I did hear you say that you, you knew the shooter personally. Mm -hmm. um, how did you know the shooter? Um, he was in a JROTC class with a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes he would 
kind of come over like at lunch or in the morning because uh, he knew one person so he would come over and none of us wanted to be you know mean or anything you know he was just a kid so we let him hang out with us and sometimes it just he made me uncomfortable um I think he made a lot of people uncomfortable but I think the thing that really made us start pushing him away was when he requested to follow me on Instagram and um you know he had a username that wasn't his name so I was like who is this and I clicked on it and his profile picture was him wearing like a bandana and a mask and then all of his photos were like guns and like I shot this rabbit and like I was really uncomfortable with that and I like I remember telling people I'm like this I already had a bad feeling about this and just all he posts is this and that makes me uncomfortable and I like I was like I don't have anything against people who have guns I don't have anything against people who hunt or anything like that but something about what he's saying and the way he's posting it makes me really uncomfortable around him and we kind of started pushing him away and he kind of disappeared for a while so I knew him kind of a little bit but not really well and I remember someone said his name and I was like that sounds familiar but that's also a very common first name and down here a very common last name (laughs) so I was like I could be completely mismatching names here and I heard it again on the news that night and I looked it up I like looked his name up and I like found I found a picture of him and I was like oh my god I knew this kid I, I know that due to the pandemic, you know, there's a delay in his, his trial. How do you feel about that? Do you think you'll be attending? I don't think I will. Um, I don't particularly want to. Um, I personally would rather not if I don't have to. Um, I'll definitely follow it, but I don't particularly want to be there. I don't want to be in the courtroom. Um, and part of it's just I generally don't want to go to a trial. I don't have too much interest in actively being there. Well, you know, you took this this traumatic event and and kind of turned it into action with, you know, the student group March um, for Our Lives and Never Again, um, MSD, right? Like, how did that come about? I kind of didn't jump into it early on, you know, my mom was like, do you want to do anything? And I was like, no, I, I want to take this time and process it for myself. I'm not ready to go out and start yelling in the streets or anything. Right. Um, And then kind of when I first really got involved was uh, the actual March. Um, We go skiing over spring break. So we already had plane tickets to Denver that we had already had for like eight months. Um, and we weren't really looking to try to change that. Um, and my parents were like, you know, Columbine's the Denver area. There's no way they're not having a march. We'll call and, and ask. And I guess, I don't know exactly how they found the information or who they called, but I know they called and they said, hey, we're, our daughter went to Douglas. We're wondering if you guys are having a march that we could attend. And they were like, yeah. Will your daughter speak? (laughs) Sure. I'll speak, I guess. Um, And that was kind of when I really 
got involved. Um, so it was the first time I had left in since since the school year had started, or not since the school year had started, since the second half of the school year had started, mm -hmm. let alone since the shooting. Um, so that was kind of when I, the first time I did it. And, um, you know, people probably go back and watch it. And I've, I think I watched it recently and I was like, it was good. There are some things I would change. <laughs> um, you know, there's definitely been some, you know, like I've looked into things a little more and I feel like maybe I should have said something else or maybe I shouldn't have said that. But in general, it was for my first big public speech. It was yeah. Pretty good. That's pretty amazing. And and the fact that you experienced such a traumatic event, I think that is really brave of you to realize and just just the self-understanding of realizing that, you know what, I can't do this right now. I need to process this and I will speak when I'm ready. And you did, and you spoke on, in a, on a big platform, you know? Um, you know, do, do you feel like lawmakers were hearing everyone or do you feel like they were kind of writing you guys off as like, oh, they're just kids making noise? Like, I think it was kind of a little bit of both. Honestly, I think it was based on the political agenda they already had. And if they agreed with the message that we were giving before we even started giving a message, then they, they liked it. And if mm -hmm. they already disagreed with it, then they just kind of ignored it. And I yeah. think maybe we changed a couple people's minds, but I don't, you know, I think we changed the minds of average citizens, but I don't I think we really had a huge impact on the point of view of a lot of lawmakers. Um, I think, I mean, I think we probably had an impact on some lawmakers in the sense that they felt something, you know, that's not the whole thing. Um, mm. They're supposed to listen to the people of the country. And if we change the people's minds, then the lawmakers are gonna change, whether it be their minds changing or the people in power changing. And I mean, we saw that in the last election that there's been changes already, <laughs> whether you agree with them or not. I wanted to ask how the, how this event shaped your life. Did you ever consider yourself an activist? It was kind of the first time, you know, I'd share posts sometimes, but I never really was like, yeah, activism, politics, that wasn't really something I did a whole lot of. So this was definitely the first time I ever really felt like an activist. and. I definitely feel like activism is more like a, a side thing for me. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a little bit more like kind of concentrating on school and other stuff. Um, especially I think part of it is that I'm not always one to want to be in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll do it when I think it helps, but I'm not one actively kind of searching for it. Um, you know, in some ways I'd rather be the publicist just calling and making the meetings or scheduling the events than the one out there talking to thousands of people. Well, um, you know, that's that's a big deal. Being so, the publicist who schedules that, I mean, that's that spreads the word. That's what I'm studying right now. I'm in a public relations class right now. I'm a communication major. So I'm oh, actually wow. kind of studying that. That's something that I might get into, but I've, I am. Um, 
So I guess I'm an activist, but I, I consider it more of like my side gig. <laughs> this is something I do. You know, if someone reaches out to me and says, hey, will you come to this event? Will you do this interview? I'll be like, yeah, sure. But I'm not, I'm generally not actively going out there and being like, I'm going to, I don't know, bring a blowhorn and start talking. That's not exactly who I am. So. Um. Well, I think you're doing amazing things. And I mean, you're young, you've experienced a lot, what, you know, some people will never experience. And, you know, you, you need to live your life the way you want to live it on your terms. So you should really be proud of yourself. And just, I'm, you know, I think that you're pretty amazing. And, you know, I'm excited to see what's next for you as maybe a publicist for some grassroots organization. Um, what, what do you think? What's next for you? What do you want to add? I love to work for an organization or a person who's doing activism or, you know, maybe even just like a celebrity who sometimes like posts things because that spreads the word a lot more. You know, a lot of people are like, celebrities shouldn't get involved but why not? They're people too. Well, I do wish you the best. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. That was Maddie King, trauma survivor, thriver, and advocate, side advocate. For more information on Maddie, please visit atstpodcast.com. That's the letter A, tstpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to my monthly magazine, Authentic Insider, if you haven't checked it out. Um, please do so. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel and IGTV to find this podcast in video format. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and you've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Take care.